In this new age of retail, consumer preferences have changed and shoppers are more demanding than ever. Stay tuned to hear from leading industry experts on this topic, along with a brand that is rewriting the playbook on customer engagement. Welcome to WWD Voices, where we share the latest fashion, apparel, and retail industry insights. Hello, and welcome to WWD Voices. I'm Arthur Sackwitz, and today, as part of Retail's Responsible Reset series with Accenture, we'll be featuring Jill Standish of Accenture as our guest co-host. Uh, today, Jill will be interviewing Peloton CMO, Dara Tresita. Hello and welcome. Hello. Nice to be here. Thanks so much for having me. And hello, Arthur. It's so nice to be here. I'm looking forward to this. Peloton, you know, I, I love, you, as a brand, it's, it's just an amazing company. And you guys have created a little lifestyle brand that's that resonates with people. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Jill, I'm going to turn this over to you and I'll sit back and maybe I'll chime in every now and then with a question. So take it away. Great. Great. Thanks, Arthur. And uh, I'm thrilled to be talking about, not just about Peloton, because I think what a fantastic company. I mean, it's the largest interactive fitness platform and seeing what has happened with Peloton over the last few years, has just been amazing. Um, but we're also here to be learning and you're going to be sharing some of your experiences, Dara, as being a marketeer. Um, and really around customer experience and how that's changed over time. So I thought I'd just be a little bit open here. Um, how do you see customer experience and the role of a CMO and how that's changed over time? Well, I think that customer experience needs to be at the heart of everything a business and a brand does. I think we're in, in a world now where everybody has um, a microphone, you know, especially with social media and, and the, just the digital first reality of many experiences. Um, you cannot hide <laughs> the reality of your customer experience, right? It, it, it's laid bare for all to see. So I think the emphasis on customer experience and really placing that at the center of the strategy of how a brand or business goes to market, I think is core. And I think that, you know, dovetails nicely into the evolving role of marketing leaders, right? In order for you to be successful leading marketing, I think in this new age, you have to have a, a, a good understanding of how you establish the brand promise and purpose crystallize that and then live up to it <laughs> in the experience, in your campaigns, in your messaging, in your value proposition. And so it's about kind of deciding and creating this promise and purpose and then making sure that all of the other building blocks are on top of this solid foundation. And I think that, that that wasn't always the role of a marketing leader, right? There were times when it was just about the advertising, right? But now I think the role is a lot more robust. It's a lot more. I, I always say that I think a marketing leadership role is the best preparatory role, but ultimate, the, ultimate, the, the ultimate top job, because I think you get to touch so many different things, right? You have to have an understanding 
of, 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 of technology. You have to have a solid understanding of business and how you're driving revenue. You have to have a solid understanding of the customer experience and because you don't want to you don't want to um, over promise and under deliver as a brand. Right. So you have to have a good understanding of like, what is our lane? How do we slay in our lane? But where are the where are the boundaries of that? And so, you know, I think that marketers today and marketing leaders today have to be people who are insights driven. And I like to say insights because I think you're getting the data, hardcore quantitative data, right? Which we're doing all now with our MarTech stack. We have more data than we ever had, but there's still a huge, huge role for some of those uh, consumer insights that we get through surveys and and just kind of hearing the voice of the customer in a qualitative way. And it's like, how do you bring these two things together to help to define the North Star, shape the North Star, and ultimately pursue it relentlessly. And, and, and I think it's just such an exciting time to be a marketer. Yeah. You know, I think you've hit on so many fantastic points here. I think the, the role of the CMO um, has changed over time. And I, I like to say that your seat at the table with your counterparts in the C-suite, it, maybe your chair is getting even more important. Um, especially today as digital is so rampant in retail. So talk a little bit about how you work with your partners in crime at Peloton, like a CTO or a CFO. And, and how does how has that kind of evolved? Um, because I think your seat at the table is so important today, as you just mentioned. Yeah, I think one of the things I love about Peloton is one of our core values is together we go far. And it's not just something we say is how we live. And I think that's amazing because, you know, um, all our peers at the table are eager to think about the brand, eager to think about marketing and marketing is able to have a voice in those conversations. So it's really wonderful, I think, to be at a place where that is the reality. As we all know, as marketers, that's not always the case. So I think it's, it's awesome that that's the case at Peloton. I think as far as like interacting and working with, 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 with the amazing leaders of the company, I think the key, there's sort of three key things that I, I, I focus on. I think the first thing is, first of all, showing up as a business leader. I like to say that because I'm a business person first whose expertise is marketing and comms. You know, I think that I, I learned very quickly earlier in my career, I was sitting in a meeting once and this marketer was pitching something and it was a super exciting idea, but it clearly wasn't going to move the business forward. And we were at a time where like the business was, was, was underperforming. So it almost felt like, what is this person even doing? Like, does she even get the reality of what is on ground right now? Well, like we are in the fight for our lives and she's here with this you know, exciting thing, but like, this would be a great idea in a year where like we are overperforming, right? That's, this is not the right idea now. And I think that it's almost like an awareness of the times I'm married to a former Marine. So I, so I, it's like, you got to understand the situation. What is the context going on here and how do you show up? And I think it's so important as a business leader, I'm not saying I do it 100% of the time. I am a marketer at heart and a storyteller, so I do get really excited. But I, one of the things I've really trained myself to do is I, I always think, what's in it for the business, right? How, how is this going to land on the CFO? What is the return on marketing investment 
Um, um, I learned this from one of my one of one of my peers actually, who's the CMO of Coupa. Show me the Romi, and I say it a lot to my team. Show me the return on the marketing investment. Like, what is the ROI on this particular activity? What is the impact going to be? And and can we quantify it? And so I think that having that business first mindset, it, it, I've just found that it just changes the conversation because then it's like it's never me versus you; it's always us versus the issue. So I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing that is really important is as a marketer, right? Our job is to be, we are like the voice of the customer. We are the voice of the brand. And we have to make sure that that third person is in the room when those decisions are are getting made, right? Because it's not about what you say. It's about how people hear what you say. And sometimes no matter what, you know, people are going to hear it a certain way. And so we always have to bring that like, you know, the pragmatic skeptic reality into the room when some of these decisions are being made or discussions are being had. And so I think that's really important to be able to say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting on this hat, like I'm stepping out of my, of my, I'm putting on the hat of how would this land externally? How would people really perceive this? Will this be heard? I know what we're trying to say, but that's not what I'm trying to talk about here. How are people going to hear what we're saying and will it resonate? And so I think that being able to be that, um, I think is very helpful because many times, you know, that's our job to bring that voice into the equation. Um, yeah, but you have to be an active listener of the consumer, right? And it's, it's not just a one and done, right? It's an ongoing exactly. kind of engagement. Exactly. It's an ongoing, what they might have been able to hear today, they might not be able to hear tomorrow. And it might not even be because of anything your business is doing. It might be because of what's going on in the larger, broader context of culture. Do you know what I mean? So I think that that's, to your point, Arthur, that's a really good point. It's a continuous thing. And I think that that's a value add. Is that as a marketing leader, you bring to your conversation with your peers, Jill, to the point you're talking about, whether it's, you, you know, you're talking with the head of supply chain or the CFO or the chief business officer, whoever it is. I think bringing that perspective is really key. And then I think the third thing that I try to do is, is really make sure that, um, really make sure that I understand what matters to my peers, right? Or what matters to the other leaders at the company. Like, what is the business problem that you're trying to solve and what is keeping you up at night? And I think that understanding also allows me to better frame what we're doing across our global marketing and communications team in a way that um, that feels top of mind. Right. Because I'm almost speaking in your love language. Right. Many of us, you know, you kind of hear that love language when people are interacting in, in, in regular, ordinary personal relationships of like, you want me to understand what matters to someone. I think it's the same thing in business, right? I need to understand what are the things that are top of mind for you, what matters most to you, and make sure that when I'm discussing the things that matter to me, I'm doing it in a way that is relevant for you and your area of the business. So I think those are sort of three key things that I think is really important when you are interacting and relating with with, with uh, other people around the table. You know, I just love the fact that you're, uh, first of all, you're so grounded um, and you're grounded because you you have this business first mindset, uh, which is so fantastic. And you're also grounded in um, bringing some of the facts to bear and not just having, you know, the marketing voice, but also thinking, how is this going to actually improve the business of what we're doing? Um, Can you talk about how that grounding um, and that business first kind of background that you had um, 
how did that help you through the last, you know, year and a half, <laughs> which, um, you know, it's just been an interesting time for all of us. So what do you, if you're looking back, um, what has kind of kept you grounded and focused on the business over the last year and a half? So I think for me, what has kept me grounded has is, is the passion for what we do, right? The passion for the mission. Um, when I joined Peloton just over a year ago, I was a member before I joined as an employee. Oh, that's cool. And, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I love what Peloton is doing, how it's motivating, you know, millions of people around the world to be active, centered and connected. And, and that was that, that just to me is one of the most exciting things. We're helping people improve their physical health and their mental health. Right. Many businesses are better off when you're doing when you're doing things that are not good for you. Like we win at Peloton when you are doing what's good for you. Like our incentives are aligned. And that was something that just is so exciting. Right. So no matter what's going on on any given day, I wake up inspired because I feel like I can make a difference and I can make a change. And what I'm working on matters. And that's something that is really, really important to me personally. And so I just think it, it better enables me to show up as the person I want to be and the leader I want to be. And I'm not saying I show up great every single day. We all have our days. I absolutely have my days, you know, but, 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 but I, you know, more often than not, I can show up in the right way because I've got the passion for what we do, which I think is so important um, because I think that, you know, there's uncertainty, right? And things happen. And, and as a leader, I think if you believe, if you have B belief in what you're doing, you can, you know, I think create the right environment that allows your team to show up every day. Like we, we've all been living through this pandemic and it's, it's, it's crazy because there's so many people that I work with that I've never met in person, which in, under normal circumstances, that wouldn't be the reality. Right. And we're all trying to, the other day, I just heard that there was someone on our team who had a baby and I was like, she had a baby. And like, I was so surprised. Like, I didn't even know, you know, and I'm thinking about, you know, because like, I was like, wow, like, how could I, how did I miss that? And yeah. the reality is just, you know, I like, she joined in the middle of the pandemic. We've had lots of great meetings together. We've talked about a lot of things. It just hadn't come up, <laughs> you know? And, and, and I, and I was, I was sort of, it, it, to me, it was just a reminder of what are all the things that we're missing, you know, just because of the reality of, 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 of how we're living right now, right? And the reality of the current environment and context. And so for me, I think the other thing that's keeping me grounded is I'm trying to make sure, like I just said, there are many things I'm missing, but I'm trying to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm not missing, you know, I'm not missing too many things. And I'm trying to make sure that I am prioritizing the relationships, right? Really prioritizing connecting with people, even in this digital even as we are in a digital first environment for most of us, still prioritizing, you know, how I'm able to connect. I do these Slack drive-bys where I'm like, I'm just slacking you. So this is a pretend I'm just common by your desk. We don't have it on the calendar, but I can, maybe you're available, maybe you're not. Like, just like in the real world, maybe you'd be at your desk, maybe you wouldn't. And I'm just kind of thinking about what are those, those, and I just, I've also been doing like a, a stand up with my team every week, even though it's only 15 minutes, we all get together 
And just having that consistent touch point where people can be seen, people can give shout outs and kudos and we can celebrate what's great and new. So even though, we, yes, we have our town hall where it's more business centric once a month, having this weekly of just we all just come together and creating that, bringing in the humanity and the empathy, I think is really important for staying grounded. And then, you know, the last thing I would say, you know, with regards to staying grounded, especially over the last year and a half, has been. I think it's so important. I think structure empowers creativity. It's something I've always believed. I think having a little bit of structure actually gives you the space to be creative. It's almost if you're going back to back and you, you, you don't actually plan the time to think, you might not even make the, you know, give yourself the space to do so. And so I think that's really important. So one of the things that I've been really trying to do is make sure that I, I structure, I build in the time for thinking. I build in the time for creativity. I build in the time for the, the what ifs and what, what, and, and the possibility. I build that into my schedule and I build that into my plan and I build that into how I'm interacting with the team. Dara, I'm sorry. Um, you, you said, uh, I have to go back. You said something really interesting and it was one word and you said empathy. And that's not a word that you hear often in business today especially, you know, large companies, how does, how do you put that into practice? You know, I think it starts with your, your ways of working and how you want to interact with people. And I really believe in treating people how I want to be treated. Um, that's just how I try to live my life. And to bring that into the workplace specifically is about how do we create psychological safety for the people on our teams, right? And so there are a couple of you know, I'm going to get into the tactics of what I do, but there are a couple of things I do. One of the things is I say with all of my team, and I learned this actually from a former boss, um, assume noble intent. And that is like, let's just assume, you know, assume noble intent, right? Going into any conversation and going into anything. And I think that is such a powerful um, mindset because very often, sometimes we can get into a place where we are crossing, going over the, over the fence or going over the gate. And we're starting to immediately assume what other people are assuming, what's going on. And we don't know, you know, we can own how we feel. We can own what's going on in our situation, but we don't want to cross the fence and go and start making uh, assumptions about what's going on with other people. So I think just like really having that, that assumption of noble intent allows us to walk into conversations with the right frame of mind. And then the other thing that we do is we're very clear. Are we having a debate? Are we making a decision? If we're making a decision, who's the decision maker? And then let's commit. So very often I'll say to my team, hey, we're in debate mode. And in debate mode, right, we throw it all out. We, we, we get it all, put it all on the table, like leave nothing unsaid, no side conversations. This is the conversation, right? Let's put it all on the table. Then we make a decision. And then once we make a decision, we all hold hands and commit, right? There's no you know, well, you were blue team, I was red team. So now I'm not really giving my resources to this. So you were blue team, I was red team. And just kind of aligning. And I think, you know, sometimes empathy, when we think about empathy, we think about it in this sort of big, lofty, idealistic way. But empathy is really realized in how we work and how we interact with each other in the day to day. And it's just really, I think, creating common language and rituals and processes that allow us to live that especially given the reality of we're not having the face-to-face -face interactions and some of the, the things that we were having before. 
Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, empathy, such a fantastic word, um, getting us back. I think that also care, corresponds with how a brand interacts with customers. And so this whole customer experience that you've been leading at Peloton and also advice for others, how do you know, as you, you brought up the word comms, how do you know what to do and how to respond? in a crisis situation. So, um, because we all know how sensitive the world is today and the, the fact that there's, there could be death by social media, right? So how, how do you, how do you handle that, Dara? You've got a really big job and you've got, you've got, you're, you're kind of the voice of the brand. How do you know how to handle that? You know, I think, you know, Arthur, Arthur, this goes back to something you said earlier, but it starts with listening. Right, it starts like it starts with really hearing what our what our cus what our members are telling us. It starts with paying attention. Um, there's there's a saying we have a Peloton. You said we did, right? You said this, and we did this. And I think really building that say do ratio and building that trust and building that re- that relationship bank, if you will, I think is kind of how you how you go about it. And, and, and I think it's a consistent thing, right? It's not, it's not a one and done thing. It's a consistent thing, but I think it really helps to, I think it really helps to lay a strong framework and a strong foundation um, for consistent engagement because it, it builds and builds and builds trust. And it's a cumulative thing. And not only does it build trust, but it also fosters community. And I think that community happens at Peloton, one of the things I love is that we're focused on celebrating what's real, cultivating what truly exists. And community happens when, when, when the interactions between people are strengthened, right? And then those, in, those interactions get strengthened and they multiply and they, amplif- and, they, and they amplify. And so for us, I think at Peloton, we're really focused on how do we enable those interactions? And then as they start to develop and they start to strengthen, what are we doing to cultivate them intentionally? And it's about those, you know, active steps that we're taking. For example, we have tags on our platform. So there are communities within this broader community. So for me, it might be working moms. I recently moved to New Jersey. So Jersey girls, you know, it could be, you know, you've got these communities within the broader community and it's a great way for you to feel connected. Like, I'm running, I'm riding, I'm, I'm doing my yoga and flowing. I'm meditating with people with shared interests. And on a particular day, I might be leaning more into, you know, one part of my, one part of my interest than another. And then and another day, I might feel more like something else. And I think creating that ability that allows people to connect um, uh, with like-minded people with shared interests, uh, even as they invest in their physical and mental health, I think is so powerful. Yeah, I, I can say personally, uh, we have a hashtag Accenture uh, at Peloton, and there's so many of us that um, feel like we're staying connected. It, there is a little bit of internal competition, I have to say, <laughs> but um, it's a it's a fantastic um, way to have a community within a community. I think the the one area that I'd love for you to comment on is how how do you think data and insights and you mentioned that early on when we started how has that uh changed the role of someone in your shoes 
Um, like how big is that on your plate? It's super big, right? I think that it everything starts with an insight, everything. Um, and we have an amazing kind of consumer insights and strategy team and really great, great data teams and a, and a, and a, and a, and a, and a corporate strategy team. And everything starts, we are a very data-driven company, which I love um, because we make fact-based fact-based decisions. Things aren't just on anecdotal assertions or whims. Um, and so, you know, with taking, taking a data-driven approach, you first of all, you've got to analyze the data to really get at the heart of what is happening. Um, and then I think you're able to make clear-eyed risks. You're able to take clear-eyed risks. You're able to make better decisions because I think you can't make decisions in a vacuum. You have to make decisions based on what is going on around you. And I think, you know, having the right insights and the right data, especially about what's going on with the consumer and the cultural context, that is really key for making sure that you're making the right decisions. And I think that that, that is really exciting. For example, you know, at Peloton, our, our amazing CEO and founder, John Foley, who's just such a visionary for so long has talked about wanting to democratize access to fitness, right? Has said, we want to make Peloton more accessible for everyone and has actually taken concrete steps to do that, right? We introduced financing, which means that it's a lot more affordable, right? Because you just have to focus on the monthly payment as opposed to having to pay, you know, a lump sum upfront uh, to purchase one of our amazing products. The second thing that he, he that, that we did was, you know, really um, launching our app, which anybody can access the app. So even if you don't have the ability to, if you don't have the ability to purchase equipment, you can be a part of a health club for by just joining the app. You can join the Peloton club, right? And, and, and so you don't need anything else. All you need is your phone, which you already have. And you can start with a 30-day free trial and then kind of go, go, go from there. And so this has been a vision that we've put out in the world and we've taken active steps too. And so this year, our CEO you know, and, and a lot of our, our senior leaders were talking about what more can we do to increase access? And it was like, you know what? Let's reduce the price of our original bike, right? We have our innovative latest, greatest bike plus, but this, this, this original bike, how can we make it more affordable for more people? If the monthly payment is below $40 a month, if it's $39 a month, many more people are going to be able to afford that. And so we were able to, 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 to do that. And I think that is that was a decision that was based on data of like, you know, many more people are able to afford this at this price point. And we believe that we 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 know from everything that we know about engagement with our platform and everything we're doing. Yes, people want to be a part of the Peloton Club, but for us, it's about inclusion. It's about making sure that many more people feel welcome into the club. Just love that. Just love that. I know you and I both have a passion for inclusion and diversity. Hey, I have one final question for you. You ready for this one? I'm ready. Um, you're right. Um, what's the best career advice you ever got? So the best career advice I've ever gotten is actually advice I got from my mother which is, um, um, she always used to say to me growing up, Dara, ambition with contentment, ambition with contentment. 
And I think that's so important because, you know, for me, it's not just about being ambitious for myself, but it's about how can I positively impact the world? How can I do something that lifts up uh, my community? How can I do something that um, is going to make a difference? And then how am I making sure that contentment is in there? Because it's not, it's not just about me, it's about us. And I think that that, is, that, is, that has been my North Star my entire career. And, and so I like to share it with people because I think sometimes we get caught up in what's going on around us that we may not be focused on what's the right decision for us at any given point in time. And we need to remember we're not running anybody else's race. We're running our own race. And so we just need to be focused on, 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 on what makes the most sense for us and have the confidence. Um, to make sure that our ambition is not unchecked, but it is laced with contentment. And ambition with contentment, that is just fantastic. Love it. Love your mom. Yeah, yes, it's pretty great. <laughs> it sounds, uh, that's where you get your passion from, right? She's Yes, she's a passionate lady, definitely. <laughs> fantastic. Well, we're, we're out of time. And I just want to thank Jill. Thank you so much for uh, co-hosting. Dara, thank you so much for attending. Uh, and thank you, listeners, and uh, we'll see you again um, in this Retail's Responsible Reset series. We'll have more insights and knowledge uh, sharing and thought leadership as well. So uh, see you then. Ready, reset, grow. Accenture helps retailers around the globe embrace change to seize the future. Learn about the five imperatives of Retail's Responsible Reset and how leading retailers are partnering with Accenture at accenture.com forward slash retail.